Okay. Well, welcome, everyone, as you're coming in on the Clean Harding call. Um, I know that Tracy from South Carolina is here, but we also hope some other people are coming on. I'm going to go over to Periscope right now and start that as well. So for those of you that want to have a visual, too, and we'll welcome those people into the call as well. So let me do that. I hope the Internet is going to work with us today. All right, Periscope people. How are we doing as you guys are coming in? I'm on the phone right now with my friend Tracy from South Carolina. We got a little moment to talk, and I'm seeing you guys all coming in on Periscope. Sometimes Periscope's a little more convenient uh, because you don't have to be hooked up to your um, your phone, your telephone per se. Hi, Wisconsin. All right. Yes, good. Who else in the Clean Hearting Challenges you're coming in over on Periscope? Um, let us know where you're from. And thanks for inviting followers. You can do that on Periscope by swiping from left to right. Scroll up a little bit and hit share. Hi, Vegas. Oh, Vegas. I have to tell you, the last time I was in Vegas, um, I was there for the Britney Spears show. Yes, I was. And I was. I have to tell you, I was a little mortified. I was a little over my head when I was there. Good music. Good music sometimes with you go, really? Is that necessary, Brittany? Is that necessary? But still, like, you know. How are you guys doing today? I'm excited. My name is Elisa Keaton, and I am the founder of a ministry called Revelation Wellness. That always feels weird to say. I can never really say that because I don't feel like the founder. I feel like a follower of something that God um, asked me to do. And I said yes, and that's pretty much where we are today. I have a, a long-standing uh, enjoy, enjoy fitness, have uh, my whole life, and it kind of got to that point where I thought, it's got to be about so much more. I love helping people. I love, I love transformation. Who doesn't, right? We love seeing change towards for the better, and I was all about that, but at some point, I noticed it was still lacking. There was an emptiness in me. I had the, the body. I had the, the money. I had what would seem like a, a well-established life. And yet, I was poor on the inside. And I have to see more and more of that is, is happening. I just have to believe that that's just kind of happening as we have become a culture that is so high Seattle, that is so um, hungry for perfection. My goodness, perfection. Like, we live in a culture that values, like, we value, if you have a wrinkle, God forbid you have a wrinkle. If you have a dent on your body, God forbid, right? And we've lost. We have this perfection on the outside, but on the inside, we're lacking real depth and real security and real trust. So that's what we're doing in 30 days of the Clean Hearting Challenge. Guilty. I'm with you, Sarah. We're going after the deeper things. And so thank you for day 17 that you're all still here, day 17. I know that's not easy to do. And I said it before, this is kind of set up to frustrate you. It's supposed to frustrate your flesh. Galatians 5 says that the flesh is opposed to the spirit. They're set up to frustrate each other so that at some point something will have to give. The flesh or the spirit will give. And inside this challenge, it is, hi, Minnesota, it is your flesh that we are hoping will bow and give in and surrender so that your spirit can lead as it's been designed to lead. Jesus gives us the spirit of God living inside of us and says, follow me. Now, follow. I'm going to take you into territory you're not going to 
probably feel comfortable in, and that's the point. In our uncomfortable places is where God gets after the real hidden places in us. You will spend, and I will spend the rest of my life working out my salvation. And the, the scripture even says that, that God does his part, we do our part, and it's called working out our salvation. We partner with God. I know we would like to sit back and think that God just does it all. He answers our prayer and does it all. We really, we, that's the genie in the bottle, right? We really want a God to do that, but we don't want a God to do that because then we don't, then we're not who we are. We don't bring ourselves, our unique design, our unique personalities to it. We turn God into a robot. We turn God into um, just do what I say. Then we don't do anything. We don't have to get after our own participation in life. That is not, no life to me. So I'm here to help train you up for faith, hope, and love because love is weighty and heavy. It, it, it isn't easy. And it's the thing that we know we're built for, designed for, but we have a hard time getting after it. So welcome to a community that says we're not afraid of the hard stuff. Uh, thanks for the hearts on Periscope. That's always fun to see. Um, all right, I'm going to go to some questions. So this, let me just give you a setup if you're dropping in or watching this. Possess the land. I love that. Yes, Periscope. Possess the land. Put your flag in the land and possess it. 30 days, uh, we have been looking at how clean eating really belongs to God. That whole thing. If you eat clean, that just means you eat lots of uh, clean meat or protein or maybe no meat at all, lots of vegetables, maybe raw, but a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruit, things that come out of the ground that were always here to begin with and that are still here. They have not been manufactured, have not been um, manhandled in a way. And that's a, that's a great, that belongs to the Lord. So I believe the Lord would say yes. If you can support a farmer in your lifestyle, that's a great thing because a, farmers are the holiest of people I've seen. One of the, it's the most holiest, profound professions left. Yet they struggle too with, you know, not selling to, not selling out to um, food industry that wants to process our food and make money. And that's a real tension of this world uh, and economy and trying to stand for something greater, which is God's goodness. And, and faithfulness, which doesn't come easy. So to grow a crop that is pure and clean is not the easiest thing to do, especially in a world that is quite fallen. So we, we're clean eating for 30 days, and we're looking at how, and really we're getting rid of sugar. If I could just bottom line it, it's sugar, right? Uh, if you've been day 17, you've been so far days, 17 days without taking a fast. We're not doing this to try and control it, but we're saying, God, I'm going to put up my sweet tooth. I'm going to put it on a shelf. I'm going to, I'm going to submit my sweet tooth to you. I'm going to submit my desire to go to the pantry. If you eat out of your pantry 80% of what you eat, uh, if it's not nuts and seeds, you're eating a lot of processed foods because it holds the shelf life. We're trying to pull back from that being found in the pantry as much as in my refrigerator finding fresh foods and things to eat for 30 days is kind of our living sacrifice to God and letting God meet us in our uncomfortable places. So within the 30 days, every Wednesday, we give you a chance to do questions. You get to write in your questions. Um, over 800 people have signed up for the challenge. I don't know how many people are still doing it. Um, I'm hoping for a, a high effect of, of um, commitment, but Whatever it is, we know 800 people said, yes, I, I want to hear from the Lord on this. 
So we give you once a week access to have your questions answered as you're going along because we realize it brings up a lot of stuff. It should be bringing up kind of unknown, help me, Elisa. And if I don't know the answer, I will, um, I will pray, see if I can find it. And then if anything, I'll know God knows the answer. He, I don't know everything, but I, I know he does. So if I can direct you there, I believe he will come through with breakthrough. And I love on Periscope, um, I'm on a phone conference call right now, people. Clearly, they're muted for the sake of um, clarity on the phone line. But on Periscope, if you guys have questions, uh, like one person asked last week, like healthy snacks, ideas, or having a hard time with that, and you guys all ran a bunch of ideas. That was awesome. And then I read them off to the people on the phone. So here we go on clean hearting, clean eating, living a whole and balanced lifestyle that is Christ first, God first, and God only. This question is from Emily, and she's from Minnesota. And she first paragraph just says, this is changing her life, which is fantastic. I'm so excited about that. It's really God doing what God does. And then it says, here's my question. I've really enjoyed your Periscope podcast. I'm new to Periscope. Wasn't familiar with the way it works. I've listened to a few messages. Any chance we've saved them? All right. So first thing first, if you want to find any of these broadcasts on this channel, Elisa Keaton, you can find them at Catch. So everyone on the phone line, if you haven't seen a broadcast or you don't have Periscope, you're not interested in it, you can watch it on, um, so go to www.catch. K-A-T, there it is, Tracy, K-A-T-C-H dot me slash, forward slash, Alisa Keaton. That will be this channel, and you can see every Periscope I've ever done, and I try to title them so that they're useful to you when you're searching for some answers. So that's, that's catch. And then Periscope just goes live, and this is live for 24 hours. You can share it right now. That's the cool thing about Periscope is you can swipe left or right scroll up and share, and it goes into people's feeds right now live. So, Lord, no, we've got to look at the statistic now of how much we're on social media, but nothing like dropping a little gospel bomb into people's feeds. So thanks for sharing on Periscope. Um, here's her other question. When I'm spending time with God, I find myself to be super clear, focused, and peaceful. Okay? Then <laughs> my four kids enter. <laughs> The business ramps up, stress starts to mount, and my cycle, my cycle looks like this. I do well in the morning and mostly for the afternoon. Then I come to a place of temptation. Quote, you'll never get to have another cookie like this. It's okay. Just go ahead and eat it. So I do. It's hard for me to stop at one cookie. Uh, pretty soon I find myself in an out-of-body state of mind, like I'm just shoving food in without even tasting it. Wow. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. I feel terrible, and then the guilt and the shame and the regret comes flooding in so much that I can barely hold my head up. I wake up feeling fat, yucky, gross, right? That's all condemnation. And then I swing the other way of being super restricted in my diet, very rule-based, control city. I will eat, quote, clean for a while, but then the temptation comes back, and in my head days later, and the cycle of peace. I'm so tired. I want freedom. And I love she says, but mostly I want Jesus. So my question to you, when I find myself in that out-of-body, out-of-control state, how do I step back? How do I prevent that from even happening in the first place? Well, let me take this question by question. So 
first of all, when I find myself, anyone on, yeah, everyone, Periscope, they're like, she's not alone, not alone. I'm having a hard time hearing you. I'm sorry, Oily Mama Sue. I um, hope you guys can hear me. Uh, she's, she's not alone. I, I, I get it. And you know what? I would just like to say this, we all have something that triggers us into this default response. It's an old operating system inside of us. And whether we go to food or we go to negative thoughts or we go to some people just comatose out, like they disengage, they go passive, they um, start to withhold and maybe go and hold themselves up in their bedroom and watch TV or, you know what I mean? We all have something. And I think food, though, is a really uh, prevalent one because we're very food-obsessed as a culture and it has an instant pleasure. I, when I am stressed out, the first thing that comes to me, on first, it used to be wine. Like I used to be like, I need a drink. <laughs> Honestly, and I don't even like. I've never struggled as an alcoholic per se. Where, but it, I want something to help me to feel better. We just go right into pleasure. So my first thought for her is when I find myself in this out-of-body, out-of-control, how do I step back? First of all, I love the fact that she knows that she does this. She's able to say, this is my pattern, okay? So why not you just expect (laughs) today around 2 p.m. or whatever, right? The enemy is very boring and predictable. He does the same thing until that door gets shut. Then he'll try a new door. But if you know the door he keeps coming through, you have been given a sober mind. So you're aware that this is what happens to you at 7 p.m. or 2 p.m. or whatever it is. Truly, this is when you already know that you, you have to make up your, your mind that you're going to follow Jesus, that you're going to go a different way. And, and there is no um, – there are, like, habitual things you can do. So people would say, if that's the habit you want to do, then create a new habit. You have to – we don't break habits. We replace them. Amen? We also – we don't uh, remove idols. We replace those too. The only, way, the only way to remove an idol is to put Christ on the throne of your heart. But even when Christ gets up there, he easily gets knocked off because we like, we're like cookies, donuts, <laughs> whatever. So we just replace these things. We kind of take Jesus off the throne and we put the donut up there. We put the cookie up there. So you have to know that you're just going to make that resolve to say, this is my trigger. This is my pattern. This is the time of day. Christ, you're going to stay on the throne then I would ask you to say, what is it that he's asking you to do? Is it that you're going to pull up a Bible? What is the replacement behavior that you're going to do? That is Christ honoring. That is God's like, let me have your attention. That's what I believe God is trying to do. He's trying to say, give me your attention. Attention. Pay attention. I hear the, the cries of your flesh. I hear your discomfort. I hear your temptation. I want your attention. Right? Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the desert with no food and tempted with all that we could possibly have, money, food, possession, all of it. And he kept himself saturated in why he came, what's his purpose, who God is, and the truth of the word. And he just kept, he would repeat it, and he would repeat it. So there's some something I would say. So let me give you some suggestions. You're going to pull up your Bible app potentially, Right. So replace the behavior like I'm going to, come on, I can go right now and, repl- and look at a Bible app. 
Um, T-Bug324 put lockout. You're absolutely correct. I, I've talked about this teaching of lockouts. It's, a, it's an actual way to increase strength. <laughs> and it's, if you can't pick up, if you can't dumbbell curl 20 pounds, but you can only do 15, well, you pick up the 20 pound and hold it in a lockout position for five seconds, then put it down. And so, Emily, for you, I'd say consider the five seconds of a lockout. That's like get the word of God or something. When I had, when God had me processing lockouts, it was this saying I would repeat over and over, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. Because my pattern was to judge or to be bitter towards somebody that triggered me, and I couldn't even hear what they were saying, and I had to realize God loves them. The same love he has for me, he has for them. So uh, that was my verse. So maybe for you, it's um, 1 Corinthians 6.12, I believe it says that um, everything's permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I really believe the word of God. (laughs) It has power. Find your verse. Find your thing during that moment, because you already know the moment's going to come. To start using it, and then that verse will work, and that verse will work, and then until eventually maybe it's a new verse that you need because sometimes the familiar becomes unfamiliar for us, like the verse lo- loses, I guess, something, and so you need a new verse. God's the God of fresh, new, n- new hope, new mercy. He'll give you a new verse. But for me, that's still a verse I use to this day when I want to judge somebody, when I can feel my bitterness and my, I want to give them a piece of my mind, like oh, I just want to go off, Lord have mercy on me, the sinner. It's a lockout. And you just lock out for five seconds, put it down, exhale, and see. I really believe that's all God wants with us is five seconds. So that's her first question. What do I do? How do you step back? You do a lockout, and you replace it with a new habit. So that was my new habit. Find your new habit. Maybe it's for you to say the Our Father. Maybe it's for you to sing a song. Maybe it's for you it's to – I'm not for um, – distracting as much as I am about attention. Like, I'm going to give God my attention here. I'm not going to disengage. I'm going to engage even more with the Father. How do you prevent that from happening in the first place? I want to say this, too. You have to be familiar of the patterns of your day. Like, if you know when you're tired, first of all, are you taking care of yourself? Have you hydrated that day? What's your food been like so that your energy stays up? You're kind of doing a battle plan so that you're preventing it from happening. Are you tired? Are you going to bed late? Is there something you need to change in your plate that would help to alleviate uh, the temptation that you have? And some of it might be, are you, you know, some people go to that break room where you know all the temptations are going to be. Can you go for a walk instead? I don't know. That's where, how, how do we avoid that from happening in the first place? I love that God is real clear on some temptations. He says, flee. <laughs> and especially, talks about it on temptations of sexual immorality. Those are sins against the body, uh, sins that will use the body inappropriately. He goes, flee from that. Because he knows the body is set up for pleasure. He's designed our taste buds to release something. He's designed our body sexuality-wise to release something and pleasure. So we kind of, we, we go towards the pleasure. And he says, no, no, you're now, you're using this in a way that is violating my design. Flee. Run. Use your interval leg strength and run. Uh, maybe that could help you to go, how do I avoid this? You avoid it. You, you turn left instead of right. 
and our bodies go in a new direction and our minds will follow. How do I convince my mind and heart that Jesus is going to be way more satisfying than the pan of ooey-gooey brownies? How do I convince my mind and heart that Jesus is going to be way more satisfying than ooey-gooey brownies? On this, I want to ask you and ask those of you that feel like I still have to convince myself, have you found the sweetness of the presence of God? Have you found the sweetness that you find in, in really worshiping him in a way that where what is it, what draws you into his presence like no other? And if you have never had that, I want you to try and find it. Like ask God to show you God. I, because I believe like if we taste him, if we taste him, we won't have an appetite for ooey gooey brownies. <laughs> we won't, the appetites of the world will fade in comparison to really tasting and seeing and knowing that he is God, right? That's a song. Come taste and see and know that I'm good. Come drink of me. Come eat of me. Come taste me. So he is a God that wants to be experienced. So if you haven't had an experience with him, I would take him, really, just stop. If if we don't experience the goodness of God, the delight of God, like that we're delighted in, we delight him, really fall into a place where of, of where religious spirit can happen. And a religious person just believes because they think that that's going to be, it's going to work in their favor. Like that's a, just a good thing to do. That's just the right thing to do. Those are acts of law. And grace is this beautiful, God loves me so much. He's intimately interested in me intimately involved in me. That's why I've been in these 30 days, I've been asking you to journal and ask some questions. Let God tell you who you are. Encounter him. Because once you've encountered him, then you've tasted him, and you, brownies and wine and all these other things will start to fade away. Don't expect it to happen overnight. I don't expect, like, just start eating it a little bit more, a little bit more. Your taste buds will change, and God will stand up inside of you. He'll take the rightful place. So for someone that goes, how do I convince my heart and my mind, um, I want to encourage you to throw off any formula that you've made about God, any rules that you've thrown on yourself or expectations on God. Ask God to restore into you a delight as a child, as a young place, because somewhere in our past, we stopped being children and we became grown-ups, and grown-ups tend to have rules and laws that work and govern instead of kids are just really kind of exploring life and enjoying it. And they, they have this sense of innocence. Don't ever lose that innocence, enjoying God and stripping off all this, the stuff that the world tries to throw on him. Listen, the narrow road, it is the most challenging road to go down and the most rewarding because you have two broad roads that are always calling for you. The broad roads of rebellion, just do what you want to do. That road is that road is really big. Amen. Current culture, take a take a temperature of the current culture. Anything goes. Kind of like you don't tell anyone anymore what's right or wrong. It's just anything goes. And so it's rebellion. We don't want to be. We don't want to be told 
this is the way walking it. We go, no, I'm going to figure that out for myself. It's rebellion. So that's a broad road that's calling you. And the other broad road is, so we go from rebellion to, okay, I'm a, I'm a rebel. I'm, I'm, this isn't working. I'm eating from pig's food again. I'm, I'm squandering my life. And so what do we do? We, boom, we turn to religion, salvation. We, we turn to Christ, but we quickly pass the narrow road, and boom, we're over on this broad road of religion. And religion confines God. It puts expectations in God, right? The Jews did not recognize Jesus because they expected a warrior on a white horse to show up, which one day he will in Revelation, instead of this carpenter on a donkey. He showed up in a way, and that was in today's Clean Hardy email about bitterness, and that is in us, ladies. That is in us. Because God doesn't show up when he should and how he should. Our, our, rebel, our religious heart gets huge. And that's where we camp out. So this narrow road, this little tiny beaten path between these two huge highways. So for this first question, this, this narrow road, it's going to take some time. But when we don't, when we find ourselves losing the delight of who God is and the real tangible encounter and presence and experience of him and touching his goodness and childlike, right, fantasy in a way, go ahead and bring your imagination back up. Like we bury that thing, bring it back up so that you can encounter God on this really narrow road. So it's not easy. It's going to be a lot easier, just straight up, a lot easier to count points. But we've done that. And it's not freeing. It's not freedom. Narrow road. All right. I hope that helps uh, you, Emily. These are great questions. This is from Kaylee. How do you deal with different seasons in your life where you just don't care for that much, much fresh veggies? <laughs> I love this. For example, I have two scenarios I'm thinking of. One, the winter months when it is cold outside, I'm just not into salads. Warmer months, I eat salads daily and enjoy them. For the winter months, I have to force myself to eat a salad. I just crave warm foods and creamy, gooey foods. Mm-hmm. First of all, hey, I'm with you, Kaylee. I'm totally with you. I don't, I, I like, yeah, someone just put soups. I like warm foods right now, too. Uh, you know what I don't like? I don't like a salad for dinner. Ugh. Like, to me... Dinner must be warm. It's comforting. It's kind of this warm blanket at the end of the day. Not really like cold anything, like a sandwich to me. I mean, I'll do it because I have to remember if I just need to get the food in, I just get it in. Um, but food is meant to be enjoyed. So make no mistake. We just have to change our taste buds to, to enjoy it again. But uh, with this kind of vegetable thing, you can buy. Bye, Coach Erica. I love you. Um, you can totally have warm, warm uh, fruits or warm vegetables. So for me, I'll do a, if I do a salad, I will cook hot meat or I'll put hot lentils on it or something warm onto the salad that kind of then wilts the salad and makes it warm. Uh, I like that. I roasted vegetables like crazy. I roast vegetables. Um, it's still the same. So if, just because it's a salad, a salad doesn't make it healthier. Then something else, yeah, roasted veggies on a cookie sheet with balsamic. Yes, 
veggies in the oven. Yeah, Coach Erica couldn't help. She had to give one more, one more good tip as like a good Rev Wealth leader that she is. Yeah. So I just want to let you know you're not missing it because you're not eating a salad. Um, any vegetables you can get in, but roasting them, grilling them. I know it's probably hard if your your grill is probably covered in snow right now. But in soups, stews. Um, I use my crock pot a lot too. I will just throw. I do my crock pot a lot more in the winter than I do in the summer. I live in 180 degree heat in the summer, so I don't want hot things. But I'll just throw it all in there and let it just. That kind of has that gooeyness and kind of soft. Like I love putting uh, sweet potatoes into a um, crock pot. And uh, someone put stir fry. Yes, thank you, Blue Meister. Um, so that's what I would do with those winter months. I just want to throw off, like, if you feel like you have to eat a salad to be healthy. That's something the whole um, fitness, health and wellness industry has thrown on. Have you ever seen, like, there was a, a meme that went around Facebook, and it was someone was eating a salad, and, like, they're smiling really big as they're eating a salad. And then someone said something to the effect of, wow, like, my salads don't, like, my salads don't make me smile like this. Like, I need a happy salad. Or just the fact that the salad is is evoking an emotion, which clearly we want you to try and think, oh, it would be great to eat healthier. So her second question is pregnancy. Uh, I'm not talking about eating nonstop junk foods or anything like that, but just a change in how foods settle with you and cravings. During my last pregnancy, I had the issue of not wanting to eat raw veggies, and I definitely craved more salty and carb foods. Yeah. Oh, pregnancy. Um, I have two children, so I know what the, I remember well what pregnancy was like. You know, I, I feel like grace abounds. Grace abounds, especially when you're growing a life. Now, you hear me say those two words, grace abounds. You know what that doesn't mean? Do what you want. That does not mean, it doesn't mean uh, indulge, enjoy. Grace abounds. Grace is the power to live by the spirit. Remember, the flesh is, is frustrated against the spirit. So God, I think if there's ever more grace on a woman in her life, it's when she's growing a child inside of her. Your body is not your own. It's on rest. That baby gets first priority. Did you know that nourishment goes to him or her first? Oxygen goes to him or her first? Blood flow? Everything goes to him or her first. I love how God would be like, okay, stand down because we're growing a new life. He's so, a smoldering wick he will not put out. A little tiny heartbeat, he says, that's mine. I'm for that. So this whole desire of our bodies, um, I want all these women to really check your motives and your fears at the door. The fear of becoming fat when you're pregnant, because we now live in a culture that, God forbid, if two weeks after you've had your baby, you're not back to pre-pregnancy size, right? Like, we had just, we've lost perspective of what matters. Like, the child matters most. So... With that, feed it well. As far as I said, you don't need to do whatever you want, like to eat on ice cream every night. If you have a craving, honor a craving, but the same principles of, 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 uh, of Scripture apply to you. Everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. The baby's going to not thrive as well off of 
processed and sugared food. I mean, it, it will get what it needs because that's mercy and grace. It'll get what it, you know, get energy, but you're not going to feel good. Um, it has a tendency to receive um, some, ben- some not as good benefits as if you eat the well, the good nourishment foods that you will have. But you have good rest, and the baby has good rest. You have good energy. Baby gets good. Everything that we process, if we have fear, you guys know this, like fear can get into that womb space. The baby knows that there's conflict, if there's stress. I was a first-time mother, and I was I was so young in Christ and so trying to figure this thing out, but I was so broken. I was so afraid of being fat, so afraid, because my whole livelihood was on fitness. My whole livelihood was on my body. My, my, my identity was found in my body. I was so afraid of getting fat. And I also remember people telling me, Oh, just wait till you're wait till you get pregnant. Like in other words, you'll lose your body. So enjoy what you have now. <laughs> and that made a fear of me. Like I'm not going to lose my body. So I killed it with my first pregnancy. Like I did everything. Nothing was going to stop me. So I I get a little check in my gut a little bit. I don't want to judge or anything because I don't know the motive of a woman who is bench pressing and clean pressing 300 pounds because they could do it before they were pregnant and they're still doing it now. I just feel like the pregnancy is a season that we're allowed to pull back and re- like you take second place now because guess what? You're about to be a parent <laughs> and everything in your life alters now. It's not, it's no longer about you. It's about that child, which is such a beautiful picture of how God is towards us. He's all, he, he lays himself, himself out over us. It's full extension over us. He's like, you go first. He believes in us completely, but then he goes, follow me. You go first, right? I'll show you. Let me show you how to grow up and become the person you're created to be. That's who you will be as a parent. So parenthood, we shift a little bit, and you take second seat. Um, You do come. You can come back stronger. Amen. Amen. Good good job, Betsy. Um, There's a season that we can take a rest and not be so intense about ourselves. Whether you're pregnant or not, everyone, and I'm going to answer that. It's another question coming up here in a minute. So we can honor just this a lighter season so that then we might have the energy to push again. The lie is that we have to stay at this certain level for the rest of our life. Like once we get there, now I, the fear of losing it. And the truth is you're going to lose it. You're allowed a season of in and out. So with this pregnancy and the cravings, I would say in and out. <laughs> a little bit of a craving, yes, give in to the craving. But if the thing, if the craving starts to master you and you're noticing it because you're, you're just mindlessly eating, you're staying up late, you're, you know, whatever, you feel entitled, then you check that. If you feel afraid, if you're like, oh, I can't do that, then I, I, this is what the whole clean hearting challenge is about because we all fall into the two buckets rebellion or religion, neglecting or obsessing about our bodies. So you have to know inside your pregnancy, where am I with this? And God can help clean that out. So let me see if I answered that question. Yeah. I think I, I did pretty good. I think what I've, I have done there is led you back to the Lord <laughs> to check your heart. Uh, you can follow some rules and all that, um, but they're pretty common sense rules, right? So why not get after the deeper fear or the deeper motive of your heart? All right, this one is from Sonia. 
says, I'm going to do it on time. I'm doing okay. Um, I have spent most of my adult life neglecting my body and paying, this is perfect, so new segueing us into this season thing. Uh, I've spent most of my adult life neglecting my body and I'm paying for it now that I'm in my 40s. I'm finding that I get extremely sore from the workout videos. Mm-hmm. It generally takes two days of rest to be able to function normally again. Mm-hmm. Should I push through the soreness and stick to the workout calendar, or is it best to let the muscles heal before beating them up again? Great question, Sonia. Now, there's two things in here that are, as a personal trainer, I'd be like, i got to pay attention to those. Um, this isn't a unique question for everyone. This is unique to her that she has coming out of a season of her life of neglecting her body, and she's in her 40s. So, there's, yeah, and hey, I'm in my 40s too. I know. You wouldn't know that, right? No, I am in my 40s. Um, and you, our hormones, our bodies, the, uh, that, the hormones that, that would replenish our muscles and give us, that sense of, you know, recovery, they just drop off. Sorry about that. They do drop off. Um, you can look into some supplements of some kind. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not here to push any supplements uh, that would help with muscle recovery. I used to have some clients that were big that would, you know, really soar by some muscle recovery things. I think there's some benefit to it. Just don't put your hope in it. What I would say to you is you need to pay attention to this season of your life, uh, for someone that's coming out of a, their whole life of neglecting, I realize this calendar that we've given you is, uh, someone said pickle juice. Yeah, I've heard about pickle juice too. There's chocolate milk. There's all kinds of things out. Again, that's where if you start to look for the solution in the world, you'll just, you're going to open up Pandora's box. But let's look at the bigger thing behind it. You're 40 and you've neglected your whole body, your whole life. Grace abounds. So God's bringing you into a new season. Awesome. Yes, a new season. It's like You're not going to give up on your body, but let's find it. So this 30-day calendar, it is designed to challenge. It's called a challenge. We don't expect everyone to do it perfectly. So my, my direct answer to her, to Kaylee, would be, yeah, take a, take a day off. <laughs> How about, but on those days, instead of doing the workout that we have planned, maybe go do the yoga workout. Go do a, a, a more gentle workout. Go for a, ask the Lord. Go for a walk. It does help your body um, to move it when you're sore, just a little bit. To go and pound it again will not help your body. That actually is a great way for you to create an adrenal failure in your hormones. When you keep pushing the body and pushing the body, your adrenals, um, basically it's kind of the mission control of hormone balance will blow. And then you get people that just, it's kind of like they're living with mono. They, They have no energy. They're completely lethargic. So, Maybe something else. Go for a walk, do a little yoga, stretch your body, maybe do some back exercises in your 40s. You need some core exercise, some core strength, maybe some type of Pilates on YouTube. So you're, not, you're not confined to, to what we have inside that calendar. We, pushed, we put it in there as a challenge. Um, so listen to your body. So well done. Well done, Kaylee, listening to your body. So we're fighting two things. You've got these internal lack or after our 40s we start lacking some you know hormones and minerals and some of these um, micronutrients that we need more of that's why eating well becomes even more legit 
when you're after the 40s, you've got to start looking at food more. You should always look at food like medicine, um, like life, um, but more so as we get older because we're, we're, we're losing inside. And then you have this outside resistance of all these workouts, so you have to just monitor them appropriately. Thanks for the heart. Wow, someone blew up the blue heart. Um, yeah, I notice I'm sore a lot more often. Eat, eat well and they feel well, for real. And, hey, everyone, let's take a water break. Go ahead. Everyone, find your water. Go ahead. It's nice. Isn't that nice? <sighs> Better. Water. <laughs> Water, your sore muscles, everything in you, ah, everything in you uh, needs that replenishment. Just like the Word of God is like water and a refreshment to our mind, truly water purifies fresh and um, refreshes the body. Now, want to know something weird? Thanks. I am a little weird. Um, I think it's so interesting that, okay, so we know that water is good for us and that we should have water. So, we learned that, you know, the 80s, the 90s. By the 2000s, we started this study that people were dying from too much water. Hello. Theme of the enemy again, I say, or brokenness of our hearts. And we go, oh, water's good for us? Okay. Wait. Oh, not Jesus. Water's good for us. All right, so I need more water. I don't need more God. I need more water. And they drink more water. Drink more. And then there's the... the psychosomatic response of, oh, I feel clean when I'm drinking water, so I will dr- I'll drink more water. And they started finding people that died, were dying from too much water. It's happening a lot in endurance athletes, so people that were the more, more, more kind of mentality. And it's called hyponatremia. And you, you, the balance of your salt in your body, it starts to fall, and people literally die from it. So I just think it's interesting how we'll take anything, We'll take anything and then go, oh, that's good. Well, then I need more of that. Not necessarily God. I need more of that. So right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we just declare this is your time. This is your time. Kayla. All right, these next two questions, um, I think I'm going to sum them up. But this has been the theme of the week, so I've kind of saved this for last. Because I think this is a common theme and this is where we all need to come together. And then we are going to pray around this for sure. Uh, this is from Kayla. And then Jessica, I think, has the same question. Here we go. What do you do if your husband does not share the same mindset of eating well? Basically, that's the question. My husband loves the Lord. He does not share the same convictions. It's hard for me. We love to take our family out for ice cream and pizza on the weekends. Now it's his way of showing love for me and the kids. If I refuse, he doesn't get upset or mad, but I can tell it deflates him a little. I cook healthy dinners, he eats them, he enjoys them. He understands I want to eat well and never complains about it or asks that I change. However, I hate refusing these little ways that he tries to show love. So the question is, do I just accept these things and eat well the rest of the time? Or is there another option to consider? I should mention this happens almost every weekend. So it's not just a once in a great while deal. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're not alone because people on Periscope 
right? Not alone. Um, I really got on my knees about this one. This is the one today I was like, Lord, tell me your thoughts on this because first we got to always remember who God is. He's the God of covenant and he's the God of, it's his idea. Marriage is his idea. It's his realm, belongs to him. And he knew, man, that he brought you and the two of you together and whatever you're at, symbiotically or not, that that was a place you'd be at, right? That this is not outside of his scope of understanding. <laughs> and the fact that you two are not jiving in this time. Here's what I heard the Lord say as I was praying this morning. Um, food is definitely a way we show sweetness and kindness to one another. It's a, it's a way when my husband, my husband knows I love donuts, and he comes home, we went out for coffee or whatever in the morning, or we went to the gym, and he comes back with a thing of donuts. It's his way of, of loving me, of being sweet and kind and going, I think of you. And, like, he wants to spoil me. Or it's a way of needing a pleasure for me. And, and I, get, I get tempted, and then I go, oh. Luckily for me, and I pray this for you, that you and your husband, it sounds like he's an unoffendable kind of man. So he's accepting where you're at. Um, I think there are times that you have the donut. Totally. But are you in a fasting season? Are you in a season, like my husband knows, uh, a few, six months ago, I went on, I had to go on no sugar because my stomach was so bad no sugar, and I told him, and I went to him in all seriousness and, and, and said, I, when I, this is what I need to do. I hear the Lord calling me into this. It's going to be really hard. I need your prayers, and I just want to heal. Like, I want the Lord to heal me, and I just went to him in that real, um, honest, exposed place of being, and knowing I was going to be alone, knowing that I couldn't ask my husband to come to that's my first thing I've heard Lloyd say. First of all, notice it as kindness. Like, assume the best in them. Um, and yet, be okay to have the fierce conversation of what God is calling you into or what it is you are hoping for for your family. Um, whatever it is that's weighty to you, you know, I feel like, I feel that this thing is becoming between us. Uh, that you can have that honest conversation with him and trust the kindness will be extended back to you and that you would extend it to him. I also heard that the Lord wants... um, Okay, so that's the scenario where your husband's cool with it and you're kind of, you're okay. But this next woman has a hard time. It's the same thing, but her husband has opposing views about food. Okay, so this first one, the husband's kind of, they're just kind of doing the dance, right? And so you're trying to figure out your timing. So with you, I would absolutely say know your timing. Be honest with your husband and where you're at. And then don't get resentful because he's not with you. You're called to Christ alone. And if you're called to the obedience of Christ, then he brings the marriage together. And listen to me, ladies. Bless. Even, and this takes me to the next husband, the one that's maybe opposed less sweetness off of your tongue. And I know it doesn't come easy. I know it, I know it, I know it, because I I knew that's what I needed to do, but I couldn't do it because I had all my resentments and like, why doesn't he get me? Why, 
but I knew that the only thing, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Amen? It's his kindness. So your kindness to him, in spite of his not getting your healthy eating or maybe you feeling sabotaged, it's his, your kindness that leads to repentance. So maybe, you don't, you're not, maybe you're not talking about the food, but find ways to bless him outside of the food conversation to anything. Listen to me. Gosh, this is, this is the real stuff. This is what we're really getting after. It's not about our weight. It's not even about that. It's not about getting the genes. You long for connection. You long for safety and relationship, a resting place. That's what you really long for. And you think that if your body would get in line with that, that then, then you'll have that. So what life is not about the body. It is about relationships with you and God and you and others. God is kind to you. God delivers and deposits sweetness into you, the kind that is sweeter than the ooey-gooey brownies. But you, you spend time with that. Then you can go to your husband who opposes your views or doesn't think. Listen, if I could for a moment, this comes from a woman who was married to an atheist for 10 years. So we had bigger issues than food. I mean, he hated God. And I think that's the truth about atheists. They know God exists and they hate him. They don't want anything to do with him. And it was the hardest season of my life to know my rhythm, my timing, what's God calling me to? How do I, how do I continue to bless him and call him up and bless and bless and bless and yet still stand for what God has called me to? It's a rocky relationship road. But if you keep your eyes on Christ, I promise you keep your eye, you keep yourself. I said sometimes, I told my husband now, back in those days, because now he's a believer, praise Jesus. Long story. I still am going to, I think after clean hearting, I'm going to do a whole series on, on marriage and um, unequally yoked. Because I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot of unequally yoked. I think it's more prevalent now than ever before. So, um, because that's really, again, what we're longing for, connection, relationship. Um, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> Something about, what was I saying, Periscope? I can't remember. Oh, that we, it was, we could not think up on the thing that matters most, right? Like, because it's seek first the kingdom and all these things will be given to you. I was thinking he wasn't, so it felt like we'll never have a marriage. We'll never have intimacy. But, as God began to give me wisdom and knowledge, understanding, and kindness for him, and kindness and believing, and it was hard, let me tell you. But I feel that the same thing. If the food is just an indicator of something else in the relationship where all men don't feel their battle for which they're born is to, to, to feel that like they're worth it, that they have what it takes, that they're warriors. Every man is fighting that battle. Whether they know it or not, that is their design to be warriors. They're designed for that. So as we women can call them up as warriors, and listen, pray over them at night, 
Um, I would also, for you guys that are having this kind of tension in the marriage and it's just showing up in food or whatever, um, tonight when he's sleeping with alcohol, take your hand and lay it on him and you break, break the spirit of animosity or spirit of separation or anything that would try to come and use food as a divisiveness to, to, to create walls of hostility. Pray over them when they're sleeping. Listen, you pull the kingdom down. Bless them with knowledge and favor and wisdom from God that they hear from God, that they, that your family. And I, and I also noticed this too. Um, I remember I, I went through a season where I would do that in the night. I would just pray over my husband. This is when he was hating God. Like I would just break the spirit, breaking that spirit of rebellion and just break it and pride. And I heard the Lord say to me one night, he said, um, what are you doing with your right hand? I had my left hand on him. He's like, what are you doing with your right hand? I'm like, what do you mean what are you doing with my right hand? <laughs> like, what are you doing with your right hand? And then it was like immediately to put my right hand on me. Because we're yoked together in this. I'm in it too. So here I am like pouring all myself out over him. And God's like, and you, and you, and you break a spirit of confusion in you. And in you break a spirit of separation, a spirit of, uh, I mean, I had where I thought um, quitting. Man, did I want to quit. So many times I wanted to quit. But faith, faith was faithful, turned out. Um, yeah, he tries to show love. Yeah, he does. So it's using food to try and show love. So in that, I would say, accept some moments. Accept, accept it. Enjoy it. Sit down. Make some time to enjoy a cookie or whatever together. Bless him. Encourage him. Be honest with where you're still called to. And on the days that you're like, you know what? I'm starting to, this is getting slippery for me. I'm not feeling, I feel like I'm, you know what? I feel like I'm using food just to have a relationship with you. <gasps> well, wouldn't that be an honest conversation? I feel like I'm, I, I'm, I'm having the pizza because I'm afraid if I don't, I won't have you. Mm. That's the truth. That's the truth. Go after the truth, warriors. Go after the truth. It's okay. In kindness. In kindness. Don't use the truth to chop their heads off. Use the truth and kindness and be like, invite them in to pray for you. Say, invite them into your brokenness. I'm afraid that if I don't eat this pizza, you are not going to want me. I'm going to lose you. I want to be where you are. Like, just choose kindness. Choose kindness and honesty. It's so, that's who Christ was. He said that off his tongue was grace and truth. And because he had grace and truth, he spoke with authority and grace and truth, and, and it broke open hearts. All the rebellious hearts, the hurt hearts, they, they woke up because he spoke in a way that was kind and strong. Yes, Lord, we want that. All right, here's a question from Jessica. I'm having a hard time letting go of my struggle with feelings about how God gave us food, but man has tampered with it, um, like GMO, hormone-filled meat and dairy, and wheat belly. So what do you think God wants us to do about it, aside from moving to a country and starting my own farm? I love that. That's a great question. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like we all go, this kind of this fight we all have, you know, like you're born for a battle. Everyone's born for a battle. Uh, and, and so we find our battles, and this is one that feels like, how dare? 
How dare the food industry do this to us? And how dare? And um, we don't fight flesh and blood. We're not even fighting the food industry. We're fighting the principalities of darkness. So there's there's a confusion. Um, and I would say with that, what do you think God wants us to do about it? He wants us to pray. He wants us to pray. He wants us to pray. So welcome to a community that wants to pray, that we would break open, that there would be a change, there would be a shift. I get it. Like, I feel that same thing, too. That's kind of why Way Less to Feed More, our, our eight-week Bible study, um, which, by the way, from here, we encourage you guys to go do that one because it's in-depth. Uh, but that's kind of, I think I burst it out of this place of injustice. Like, we got to do something about this, right? We can't have all these people gaining weight and all these people dying from malnourishment. Like, I thought, what is that? But we can't, like, ramp up ourselves. We have to pray. There's a spirit of confusion, this principality that just tries to get us all confused and all riled up and fighting battles that aren't necessarily ours to fight. God fights our battles. We be still, he fights the battles. But in our be still, that word be still means be stable, be strong, don't be swayed. So um, I think God wants us to do about it. What God wants to do about it is uh, I love the path of humility. You don't have to go on a tirade about it. You don't have to. We don't have to pick it. You know how you pick it? You just don't buy the food. You put your money where your heart is, and that's that's a true biblical statement right there. You just don't invest in it. Don't get caught up in You know, I think some, I look on Netflix now, there's like a million different documentaries on food, 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 food. I go, oh, that's interesting. Because I did enjoy like Food Inc. and a couple other ones. But now I'm like, oh, now we're just getting crazy. Now it's trying to get us all get excited and actually just spend money on the movement of that movie or whatever. Um, I think we have to know the battle that we're fighting, the real battle is this greater confusion, um, passivity, and laziness that we've just kind of accepted into our modern diet. Um, but um, you, in the name of Jesus, we're good. I'm going to block you just because I have, I have a creepy feeling about you. Ah, that's what I think. God wants us to pray. I really do. There are just things that will not be broken by our own mind or our own efforts we're, just, we're to pray and then we vote with our money vote with our food and then she was also struggling about her husband with food i think i i think i got to that one too but her husband's a little more opposed all right this is our final question pretty good 1201 here it is this is from edie it says I get that this is a hard issue and that isn't about the food or the weight, but I really am struggling with how to convey to others that they still do need to be healthy and some, in fact, need to lose weight. How do we not ignore the fact that we do not need to be, that we need, how do we ignore the fact that we do need to be in a healthy weight range for our wellness? Um, And she's considering and looking forward to instructor training. Awesome. This is a really honest question. And if you're already a Revelation Wellness instructor, I know you guys are all kind of going, because ah, you probably thought like this too. We get it. I get it. I thought there too. Um, there's a belief pattern inside of us that's been, especially in fitness and wellness, that's been kind of ingrained in us with, my gosh, weight loss and the biggest loser and weight and the amount of weight and 
what weight should look like and what a body should have. Um, I think a lot of it we have to kind of scrub our minds of what we know based on what we see and based on a trend. Because uh, there are many, many studies. There are studies of people that would qualify as overweight that are very healthy. Um, they don't have high blood pressure. They don't have high... They, there's nothing... Remember, health is an internal measure. Um, an internal measure. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I cast you out. Satan used for God's glory. No God. Um, there is health at every side, everybody. There's health at every side. So we have to be real careful with our fitness mentality because I have it for years where I would look at someone and go, they're overweight. Maybe, maybe they, they have extra weight that they could lose, but they're well. Like, they're okay. Um, they are, they can climatize. They're not, they're not, now here's, there are dead giveaways when, um, when their knees start to buckle, like when you're so overweight and obese that the frame of the body can't hold up, that's kind of a dead giveaway. It's like seeing a building that's leaning, like the, the, the foundation or the structure isn't well anymore. That's kind of when you know there's a breakdown visually of weight. But I can't just look at somebody and say they're overweight because they're overweight. In some other countries, people weigh more. Than us, and they have more weight, and they're, they're healthy. They're healthy. They're they're eating healthy food. They're 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 just their size and their body and their proportion um, is different than what we would expect. So, well, I think the first thing we have to do, and I say this in the utmost humility because I know that too, is to be careful that when we look at someone and go, "You need to lose weight." Now, if they're a person that has been told by doctors. Uh, because they have high blood pressure or there's effects, they feel wind, they, just, they don't feel well, that, um, that basically, it's not even about the weight, it's a healthier lifestyle. What are they doing in their life that's contributing to the dis-ease in their body, the disease? So it always generally tracks back to food in some capacity because food is the primary um, indicator of uh, the, the, the output of how we'll live our lives, of how, how, how healthy we are on the inside. Um, I don't know, but I'm going to bless you again in Jesus. You're kind of, you, can, you can email me if you have issue with that. Um, so she asked about that, about the struggling health convey others. But I, I do agree with you. Please hear me, Edie. I do agree that we have a stewardship of our body. So there is an importance to it matters. We care for it. But everyone's kind of, again, falling into these two roads, right, of rebellion. If they're in rebellion, they will either know it, confess it, and want help because, or they won't, or they'll continue. And you can't help anyone who doesn't want to help themselves anyway. Or they're over here completely restricting and saying, look at me, you should look like this. Remember, there's the narrow road. If you just came on, watch the beginning where I talk about the narrow road. And the narrow road really is a place of humility. It doesn't have judgment. God is the one to judge. God judges. We believe the best in all people at all times. And when you invite people into that type of road, they want to travel. They go, oh, wait, so you're not going to let me just eat with the pigs. 
that's kind of great. And you're not going to let me uh, assume, or you're not going to expect me to be look like you or look like the magazines. Oh, the narrow road. And it's a road that you have to walk with the Lord. I think there's more pressure in women to look a certain way than it. I, I would agree with you, Robbie. It, it totally is. I'm sure Robbie just mentioned that he thinks there's more pressure for women to look a certain way than it. Absolutely. Like women aren't allowed to get old. Women aren't allowed to put on any weight or spread, <laughs> which, which we agree to or we don't. Like let's agree that it's, that is permissible for me. It's going to happen. It's okay. And it has all to do there. I think men, and I'll say this if I can speak on behalf of men, men are attracted to women that are free, that women are fully in their bodies, that are fully well, healthy, and whole, that aren't, aren't uh, lying to themselves or aren't puffing themselves up and becoming like, you know, that they, they, they've got it all together and it's just this beautiful, humble place. It's just in that middle and it's a place to walk with the Lord. So how do we not ignore the fact that we do need to be in a, in a healthy weight range for our wellness? I would be careful with weight. I really would be careful with weight. Um, it's got to come down to how well are they. Can they move their body? Has your flexibility? Remember, um, fitness, true fitness is measured in five components, like wellness. It's measured in cardiovascular ability. So how does your heart rate do? How do you do, like, you know, if you climb a flight of stairs, how winded are you? Your VO2 max uh, strength, how strong is your body? Can you handle some resistance on you without, you know, folding or hurting? Endurance, meaning I can repeat this. I can do this. Uh, I can be under this weight for a steady amount of time. Flexibility, the fourth one. How flexible is my body? So if I have cardiovascular, some strength and endurance, and some flexibility, then I have pretty good health. And the final is body composition. Thank you, Elizabeth. Body composition. Not body weight. It factors in body weight, but body composition will measure how much fat you are to muscle. Now, here's the deal. We all freak out a little fat. We're like, oh, I can't have any fat. You must have fat. Your brain wouldn't function without fat. Your hair wouldn't grow. Your nails wouldn't grow. Your liver wouldn't function. You need fat. So there's, there's a healthier amount. But again, I say, there are some body types that can carry a little more fat and still have great cardio, great muscle endurance, great strength, and be flexible. And all their triglycerides and everything else still be okay. So we have to be careful with just growing and casting a net on people and being like, this is what you're supposed to look like. In the end, God wants our hearts. He doesn't care about our bodies. Our bodies are secondary to what's going on on the inside, our hearts. I want to know, I want people to know that I, I, I care about their hearts. I care about them as people. And if I can meet them where they're at and if their body getting stronger, feeling better is a part of that, great. Let's, let's journey together. Yes. All right. Those are all the questions I got, and I'm probably all out of time to get through. I went a little over. My goodness. We had, I hope we're helpful. And talk all, I talk all day about the gospel and how this all works itself out. 
I've given up sipping on the scale for Clean Hardy. Any tips on how to stay free from that after Clean Hardy? Uh, yeah, you get rid of the scale. <laughs> I mean, I think you just get rid of it. And if you're called to weigh yourself again, then God will give you the resources to buy a scale. I think and that's, again, if you're someone who's always weighed yourself on the scale for years and years and years, then just get rid of the scale. Um, I don't know why you would need it. I, I still say that today. Like, you need it when you go to the doctors because the doctors are measuring. Um, they're trying to make sure your body is not gaining rapid amounts of weight because that's indicative of some disease if you're gaining weight fast. And, yes, doctors are going to look at, hey, you're slowly gaining weight. You're getting weight. Then they'll measure your blood and do all that and find potentially other things. It's a medical device. It's not – I mean, I find it interesting that we have a home scale, um, you know, do I weigh myself? Uh, yeah, from time to time. And I use it mostly as when I know I've been, um, yeah, amen, Robbie. I'm, when I know I've been uh, indulging, like I've been using food. Yeah, in the name of Jesus, get clean. Get clean. Be clean. Uh, yeah, so I, and then that'll be just a little kind of a, a reality check of like, all right, and then I put it away. I'm not like every day. How, am I back to normal? Where am I? I just don't, it doesn't have power. If it has power over you, it has to go. You have to put your feet, you got to get on top of it. Uh, it doesn't have power over me. It just kind of has a, um, it's an awareness tool, that's all. Did you see my question? You know what, Elizabeth, I've got all these. I don't see anything from you, but I will check uh, the other email. This is all I have time for today. It was a longer one. Thanks, you guys, so much. I'm going to pray. I want to pray, especially for marriages, especially for relationships, because as I said, that's really what this thing is about. Amen? So uh, let's pray. So, God, Father, we are grateful that you would take something as what seems as maybe trite as fitness, as our bodies, or something we have either casted into an an obsessing category or a neglecting category, and you would say, I want your attention, Lord. So you get our attention here, God. We come before you, Father, with all these pieces, all the, the, the questions, everything, what about this and what about this, Lord? And I just ask for your peace to come. Lord, a big, big blanket of peace, a big warm blanket that would rest on us, Lord, that would charge us, that would give us assurance that, you are pleased with our desire to have this conversation with you. God, we are grateful that um, you're setting our sights on something bigger than fitness, Lord. I pray that you would break through on that. I pray and just declare a spirit of, of um, perceiving and seeing the kingdom and what you're up to and that we would be people that respond, Lord, we know that what you're doing here is just making a people ready and prepared for the days that you called us to, for your purposes, God. We just want to get over ourselves, Lord, so help us get over ourselves, God. And we come to you and ask for a petition for families and marriages, Lord. We know that whenever one thing shifts in our life, everything shifts. When one relationship changes, it changes every relationship, God. So we trust you to hold the tension and, and all of it in the balance, Lord. I pray for um, marriages that have been disconnected, that there have been ships in the night, that there's just there's a lack of fierce conversations and boldness, Lord. I pray 
that you would rise up in your daughters and sons today, a willingness to come forward in vulnerability and kindness and grace to speak into the hidden places, Lord, that we truly have nothing to fear, that perfect love drives out our fear, and that we are children, we are not slaves any, anymore, God, and that we are heirs of doors and co-heirs of Christ, and Lord, and that we know that suffering and discomfort will be a part of this inheritance here on earth, Lord. Help us to suffer well, Lord. Raise up a new generation in homes and families, Lord. Clear our appetites. We pray for um, husbands or wives that are sleeping, that are asleep in your, uh, on your word, Lord, or they're just kind of in a passive mode, putting their fingers in their ears and don't want to hear God. I pray that you would give the ability for these spouses to break open blessing in their homes, that through the kingdom come and your will be done, Lord, um, not through a sword, but through the spirit, through kindness, through love being spoken, God, that we can declare our homes are a new place today, a place where nourishment and relationship formed. God, I speak to bodies that are aching and muscles that are sore, knees that are injured in the name of Jesus, any knee that is injured in the name of Jesus, command that swelling to release, command the blood flow to go back to normal, the alignment of the knees to come back in, God, that there would be healing found in knees and tomorrow, right now, when people move it, that you would release healing in knees and places where people have been obedient to move their bodies, God, but it hurts, Lord. Show your faithfulness to your beloveds and restore bodies. Restore and let them have a testimony of how faithful you are, God. We love so much that all we have to do is simply ask, God, we bind up all of our religious ideas, all of our plans that we have made for you to perform, God, and we release ourselves into a spirit of surrender of grace and of joy, and we know you're doing great things. God, you just are that good of a father. Lord, for those that need to encounter you again, to know your presence, to find you that you do taste better than any brownie that you do taste better, God, that you would um, make that real for them. Lord, find ways for them, uh, your spirit, to come busting in and just show them what a good time you are, God, how you are better than anything else we can put on our tongue, Lord. So we say flesh, bow down, and spirit, rise up. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, thanks for going along today. Whoosh, whoosh. Thanks, you guys. Have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow. Um, tomorrow I'm going to soap on. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Trublet. Thank you, Bobby. Um, tomorrow I'm going to scope. Put a scope on what went out today uh, in terms of naming. We're going to go after bitterness, people. We're going after bitterness because let's just be honest. Um, we got some places in us. So let's do that tomorrow. Okay? All right. Love you guys. Have a great day. Good love. Never quit. Bye. Bye, Robbie. Thanks for hanging out, dude. Bye, people on the phone. Thank you, guys. Have a great day.